Hello, and welcome to another episode of Call Talk. Our topic today is the agony and the ecstasy of at-home agents. This is our episode for Wednesday, September 9th. During the call, we invite you to ask questions via email at calltalk at benchmarkportal.com or call in your questions at 347-857-3117. Everyone who asks a question uh, over phone today will receive a free copy of one of Bruce's books, Benchmarking at its Best. And uh, one lucky uh, call-in question will also get a free all-industries report, a value of $1,500. And here's your host, Bruce Belfiore. Thank you, Sean. Well, back, welcome back to Call Talk, everyone. Uh, exactly a week ago, we were delving into this uh, really fascinating topic of home agents with Steve Silver, uh, and everything was going so well that uh, Murphy's Law came around to put a plague on our program. Uh, we were about, let's say, halfway through the show when uh, Sean's sterling voice interrupted us to tell us that the blog talk radio technology had just gone kaput on us. So if we'd been thinking, but how often does that happen, uh, we would have just continued on, taped the show, and made it available to everyone. But as it was, we decided in our infinite wisdom to have a redo or makeover of the show today. Uh, Steve was agreeable, so here we are, ready to launch back into the, the molasses of this wonderful at-home agents program. And by the way, Sean promised me the technology will behave this time, and <laughs> if it doesn't, we'll launch him into the molasses. Uh, you'll recall that Steve Silver is the senior call center manager at Apple Inc., and has headed up their HBA, or home-based agent program. And this is a remarkable story, everyone. He took the program from about 70 agents in a pilot program uh, to full scale of over a thousand agents in one year. Now we mentioned last week that uh, home agents, that their whole topic really is is a bit of a boogeyman in our industry. Uh, some people love the idea, some people really hate it. I mean, one of the things that you hear a lot is, "Where's the control, man? You know, how do you how do you control this phenomenon?" So please call and email us with your questions and, and comments because uh, we'd love to hear from you. And, and Sean has all that under control this week. Now, Steve assured us uh, by way last week that he did not latch onto this HBA program uh, because he wanted to stay in his pajamas at home all day monitoring calls while, while eating Cracker Jacks. Uh, he said he actually puts on trousers and shirts, goes into the office every day uh, to manage the HBA program, which, come to think of it, Steve, <laughs> kind of begs the question of whether you're setting a bad example to your employees. <laughs> but, uh, That's right. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, but has earned a lot of great experience uh, that we're, we're anxious to hear more about. So over to you, Steve, if you could do a recap of some of last week's point, and then we'll launch into some, some further areas. Steve? Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks, Bruce. Yeah, it, it, uh, I clearly am not qualified for the program that, uh, that we've managed. I am not disciplined enough to get up every day, and, and uh, if I don't get dressed and take a shower and, and head into the office, I am somehow... Uh, Less less motivated, so I, I'm not a good uh, I'm not a good participant in the program. Um, yeah, we talked last week about a couple of different uh, things that drove us into consider this as a business option for Apple, and it was very simple things. It was things like just density within the call centers that we have in the U.S. and our inability to expand those without making some pretty significant financial investments to do that. And it also allowed us an opportunity to go out and recruit folks in markets where we really didn't have any presence 
previously, and we thought we could certainly go out there and find some very talented folks um, who were available, interested in working from their home, had good experiences, had degrees, had those sorts of things, and probably even had some Mac experience. And uh, we wanted to go out and, and challenge that. Um, we talked a little bit last week about the pilot program, and I, I neglected to mention one thing. And when you do a pilot program, we, like everybody else, took very good performers and we allowed them to go home. We you know, presented the position and we interviewed them and we allowed them to go home. And what we found is that, lo and behold, our really good performers in the center were also really good performers at home. Um, and in some instances, we saw small increases in some of our key metrics, like things like availability or utilization or those sorts of things. But... What I wanted to mention is that the real opportunity, as we've discovered over time, isn't to take your high-performing outliers and send them home. The real opportunity is to move into the meat of the bell curve where the bulk of your population resides. And that's where you really see some extraordinary changes in performance. You see utilization going up 10, 15, 20%. Um, with a population that maybe just in the center couldn't get it figured out. But when you sent them home and you, you gave them the power to work from home and you gave them the necessary tools. So I think it's one of those things where you, you almost seed the program for success by putting really good agents in their homes and saying, hey, look, see, they're still really good agents. And uh, the real opportunity is really to move back into the heart of the bell curve and, and bring those folks forward. We also talked a little bit about um, naming conventions, and I think you, you mentioned early on this, this notion of the boogeyman that is HBA, and, and I wanted to make sure that everybody realized that HBA isn't only a boogeyman to call center managers, HBA is a boogeyman to the candidate. Uh, we discovered very early on that applicants who read the title home-based agent thought it was a scam. Even when it had our name in front of it, even when it said Apple home-based agent, we noticed that our applicant population was considerably lower than we would have ever expected it to be. So we ran postings side-by-side, side, one that said home-based and one that did not say home-based. And lo and behold, we got hundreds of people that applied to the one that didn't say home-based. So my kind of advice to the group here is, you know, be sure that you – you know, you do your work to dispel some of those preconceived notions because call center managers aren't the only one with a preconceived notion of a home-based agent. Um, some of our home-based agents told us, well, we thought it was like those commercials you see at like 2 o'clock in the morning on TV, you know, make $10,000 an hour but I'm working from home, you know, just buy this $9,000 DVD set. So, um, you know, those were some of the things that, uh, that we talked about that I think uh, – you know, really made a difference for us, and they were they were tough lessons to learn along the way, for sure. Okay. Well, we we just got an email in from Marianne uh, Stephen, and she asked a good question, which is, what do you find is the best motivator for at home agents? And she adds, it can get lonely out there. <laughs> ah, yes, that's that's a great question, and and acculturation is a is a really critical. Uh, part of this process because, you know, I would, you know, we said last week, just because you can doesn't mean you should. And we were talking about that with regard to our new employee orientation. We were devising an ability to onboard our employees completely remotely. And we went through that process. And what we discovered is that it used to be a one-day process to bring people in through new employee orientation. And we actually expanded it to three days. 
and we gave them a chance to meet their peers or their teammates that are in the same region that they're in. Uh, we gave them a chance to meet their managers, and we really gave them an opportunity to feel connected to the organization. So, uh, you know, I always tell people, I'm not 100% sure we want someone who's not connected to Apple talking to Apple's customers. So the question that's being brought up with regard to how to make them feel connected and part of the company uh, is extremely important. We've done a handful of things. We have created a virtual communications meeting that is exclusively designed for the home-based agents where it's piped right out to their homes in a live video feed. Um, we've done some fun stuff where we have um, – We've had a donut eating contest where you hang the donut from a string and everybody sits in front of their iChat, which all of our machines, of course, have iChat or camera in them, um, their, uh, their iSight camera, and have a, a contest of who could eat a donut off the string the fastest. We had a, uh, we had a uh, dance contest where uh, the evolution of dance, which was uh, the YouTube video that lots of people have seen, uh, we did something very similar. We got almost 400 participants in that uh, contest, and that video was actually shown in the communications meeting. So there are lots of things, and I think as you look at your need to make them feel connected, you don't get as many opportunities as you did if they came into the facility every day. So when you do put you know, when you do make an effort to connect with the agent, it has to be something that you've really thought through and gone and felt the experience on the other side. I think, unfortunately, most content and most tools aren't, they're designed almost in a vacuum that doesn't acknowledge that the person who is going to be receiving or viewing or participating is probably sitting at their desk at home in their living room, and it feels very different than when you're in a big building where there's a bunch of other people around. Hmm. Okay, well, hopefully that's a good, uh, good, good answer for, for Marianne. And, and really, I think that's an important thing. One of the uh, things that we see consistently, Steve, with Centers of Excellence is that uh, the agents in uh, Centers of Excellence will describe the place as family-like. They will use terms that, you know, good team spirit, family atmosphere, love the activities, love the uh, uh, incentives, love the, the fun days, all that kind of thing. And so what you've done is to, you know, on a selective basis, take those kinds of activities and push them out, make people feel a part of the organization by, by having fun as well as doing the work. That's correct. And, and I think um, what we've done with ours is every company, every call center has things like the quality of life team, right? It's a perfect mm -hmm. example. Well, in our situation, we don't actually ask our quality of life team. We don't have our HBA folks participate in that one. We actually give them their own. And so what we've begun to really do is discover that not all of these things that they want to do, you know, there's a lot of listening on a phone call for people who are in a room, which is extremely difficult anyway. So what we've done is we've begun to create forums for them. We have a, uh, a wiki interface where they can go and they can post either comments about um, certain challenges that they're having or regionally driven issues. We have our country, our HBA network broken out into regions. Um, and then we also allow them the opportunity to, of course, submit requests via directly to their manager. And oftentimes we end up doing contests to try to promote it because every quarter we have a basically a call center recognition 
program, and we created a completely unique, completely separate recognition program for our home-based agent network. Perfect. Okay. Fascinating stuff. We have another question here from Rick Williams who says, uh, ongoing training for remote agents is challenging. So this is obviously a person who had some experience with it. Uh, how do you ensure that they are as highly trained as possible? Oh, that is the $64 million question. Um, so I would agree that re truly remote training, virtual instructor-led training, is really the most difficult piece um, and so what we've discovered is that slowing down the training is probably a good idea. Uh, we've discovered that in a classroom uh, versus in an online experience, agents tend to rely on each other more than they rely on the instructor. So instead of asking the instructor, they will just chat someone who they know is in the class and ask the other student. And so what we're devising are some ways by which we can, you know, basically push information to the, to the students as they go through the training. There, of course, are always technology challenges to the delivery of the training, but that kind of goes without saying. The most important, important piece is the redefining or the realigning of the curriculum so that it is suitable and appropriately put together for someone who's not sitting in a classroom, someone who is sitting at home and who may struggle mightily with very simple tasks like, you know, for Apple it's a very, uh, it's a fantastic and interesting challenge in that we have people who have never even seen a Mac before. Mm. So we tell them to click on the browser. They don't even know what the browser icon looks like. So you get to a place where I would continually say, Training is the place where the biggest opportunity and the biggest challenge for a truly distributed workforce exists. Wow, that's uh, that's really something. And you can imagine that Mac is a lot better known than a lot of other uh, products and services that that other people have to deal with as well. So uh, I'm, I'm sure your experience is, is really useful to a lot of the people who are listening and thinking about what they have to offer to the market. Yeah, and we've done. We've, we've done some simple things. I would offer this just as examples of things that we've done to help um, introduce people to the product. One of the things we do is we, we our new employee orientation is called the out-of-the-box experience. And so what we do is every agent who starts with us, when they go into NEO, they spend one day sort of talking about the essentials of the company. The second day, they are they get their brand-new machine in a box in front of them just like a customer would. And they're asked to take their machine out of the box and set it up, get it configured, get it plugged in. So we're really walking them through a very tactile, very hands-on experience of the equipment so that they can really not get caught up in those simple things that end up eating up your training hours. So there's lots of things that you can do to try to introduce the product to the agent and get them comfortable before you put them on the phone with the customer. Gotcha. Okay, great. Great advice. Uh, we have a caller, uh, Sean. Over to you to, uh, to introduce the caller. Uh, Roseanne, did you have a question? You're uh, live. Okay, yes, I did. I, actually, I have two questions. The first one's an easy one. Are your people employees or independent contractors? They're employees. They are employees. And mm -hmm. do they, is there any buy-in on their part to be a home-based agent? Uh, do, in other words, are we at, do we ask them to make an investment? Yes. Um, personally. So yes. there's a, that's a really good question, and we, we solve it a couple of different ways. 90% of the investment is resolved by Apple. In other okay. words, it does not cost the agent to go to work for us. There okay. are a handful of things with regard to ergonomics. 
So any major company who is going to put a bunch of agents out at home obviously gets concerned about ergonomics. So we have an ergonomics piece, and they may be required to make some investment in things like a certain kind of desk or a riser or some other things, but we give them uh, a whole set of tools or resources that they can go access. Very simple things like if your desk is too short, take four bricks and put it under the legs. Right. You don't you don't have to go buy a new five hundred dollar desk, right? There are lots of ways to solve for those. So part of it, and it's a really good question because agents get very concerned when we demo ergonomics and we show them a nine hundred dollar Herman Miller chair and they say, Oh my gosh, are you kidding? I'm not I don't I don't have nine hundred dollars to go buy a chair. I have I was gonna use my uh my living room chair. Um and so really those things that we do ask them to invest in, it's nominal. Most of our agents don't ever have to spend more than $200, and they don't have to do it right out of the gate. Um, they typically will get the opportunity or be directed to resources that will mitigate those costs. Great. Thank you. Okay, great. Thanks for those questions. Very good. Uh, so we have another caller and a, another email here. Maybe we could take the, uh, uh, the caller, Sean. And then we'll get to the email from Anna Green. Uh, hi, caller. You're live. Uh, please ask your question. Yes, I wanted to understand what training supervisors receive to manage these remote agents. Ah, that's a great question. Great question. Um, so initially none, <laughs> right? Of course, initially none. We just said, well, just try what you do at work and see if that works. Um, there are some very difficult challenges, uh, everything from nonverbal communication the sort of reciting or repeating back, you know, paraphrasing, hey, are we clear? Do you understand? Uh, and I think that we now have put our HBA managers through a two-day class that is uh, solely designed to train home-based team managers on how to be effective uh, communicators and effective agent managers in basically a completely distributed workforce. It's everything from communication styles. It's everything from how you run a team meeting in a virtual environment. It's everything from how you send out communication in email. Um, all of those things become incredibly uh, more scrutinized because they are interpreted in very literal terms. And that was one of the biggest challenges. And one of the reasons we started doing web-based team meetings, we really created a virtual forum where everybody could log in and actually watch the team manager and the other agents in a team meeting. So you definitely have to give them some training. And to be honest with you, most managers are so uncomfortable in that environment, they need some training there too. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, any follow-on to that, uh, the, to the caller? Do you have any experience with, uh, with that as well to add? No, not direct experience, but we're considering uh, using uh, home-based agents. Okay, so you're in the... Uh, in the exploratory phase now, and uh, you've got these questions being asked. Okay, great, great. Hopefully this has been useful for you. Um, Thank you. Good. Yep, you're welcome. We have uh, a question here from Ann Negrini, and actually she mentions uh, the same thing about who provides the equipment for them, so you mentioned that already, Steve. She also asks, how do you measure their performance remotely? In other words, the quality of answers, all that sort of thing. So how do you oh, measure sure. of your remote agents? Yeah, we we have um, pretty sound technology infrastructure that allows us to view um, every agent, even in a home-based agent model, down to the agent level. So we can see their performance. We get agent-specific um, uh, 
CSAT surveys back. We get peer uh, peer reviews when escalations happen, that sort of thing. So really, the rea the reality is, from a performance perspective, the way that we view and review agents at home is essentially no different than how we do it with folks that are internally. Same set of reports are available to the team managers and the area managers. Okay. Okay. Uh, another question has come through here, Steve. Do you have experience with vendor home agent companies? And, uh, yeah, in fact, could you evaluate the differences, if you can, between internal HBA and external vendor HBA? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so we started down that path, and we visited and talked to lots of folks. We talked to JetBlue. We talked to, to Disneyland. We talked to Arise. We talked to a number of other companies out there. There are lots of people in this market. Um, Apple just happens to be one of those organizations that is incredibly particular about how we do certain things. We were very, very concerned about um, how this training would be delivered. As been mentioned earlier, one of the biggest challenges for us. And so we really wanted the opportunity to increase, you know, the number of our actual agents that worked for Apple and were talking to our customers directly. So ultimately, it was a very sort of fundamental decision made early on that we would indeed go direct. There are indeed a number of very, very good suppliers out there who are very capable of delivering uh, home-based agent uh, outsource vendors sort of uh, technology and resources. And uh, I think that market has really begun to move over the last two or three years. Okay, great. That question was from John, and we have one uh, from Patty, which is, uh, we're in the process of launching a pilot program. What are some resources you can recommend for us to use to start? So I assume she means I'm sorry, could you re repeat that, Bruce? Sure. She says, uh, Patty says, we are in the process of launching a pilot program. What are some resources you can recommend for us to use to start? I imagine she means resources like uh, reference materials or books or anything like that. <laughs> Boy, I wish there was um, – there's a handful of things. I'm not sure if uh, folks on this call are aware, but uh, JetBlue used to – I have not participated in quite some time, but they um, used to do a call every, I think, Tuesday or Thursday that was an open forum to talk about their home-based agent program. They have quite a few home-based agents. Uh, there is some documentation out there with regard to home-based agent agreements. I would absolutely advise you to go out and find one of those. I think um, JetBlue and a handful of others have shared those publicly, but I don't want to say that's absolute. Um, there is some documentation out there. I think the things that you really need to be um, spend some time with your attorneys on in the language of what constitutes work Time and attendance is extremely important, and breaks, the way that you verify that breaks have been taken and those sorts of things, all need to be called out and discussed much more directly than they ever were in a face-to-face -face call center environment. So unfortunately, I wish that I could say, hey, here's the documentation that we use. Apple would never allow for that. Um, but there are some other companies out there that are doing it. If you just start networking in this space, you can probably pull some documentation together. But I do want to emphasize the fact that you're beginning down that path is the right thing. Time and attendance, breaks, what constitutes a work environment, what constitutes a home environment, et cetera, et cetera, is very, very important. Mm. But I think what you're saying, too, uh, Steve, is that there isn't a lot published. There aren't a lot of materials out there. Uh, no. Yeah, would that be true? 
That is absolutely true. We, we, it was very difficult, right? We've only been at it for a year, and, and most of what we have, we've, we've had to build. And I think, uh, fortunately or unfortunately, there are lots of, um, there are lots of lessons learned in every single revision that we make. Yeah, so basically you're, you're pioneering here. And I, I mentioned sort of offhand to you last week that I'd love to write a book with you about this because <laughs> uh, we're getting uh, some experience on it as well. So, uh, and if there's anybody listening who'd like to contribute or uh, have a chapter or something like that, please let us know because I, I think this is an area that needs uh, more publication, more research, and uh, it's exactly the kind of stuff that we love to do. Uh, would you agree with that, Steve? Oh, absolutely, and it really is. I think um, I think there's just this moment of anxiety and consideration when you, you know, I was saying last week one of the we we actually took it to a whole other level of anxiety for our attorneys, and and we created a home-based agent college program where we went out to universities and we hired over 200 college students and we sent them home essentially as part-time home-based agent, you know, college students. And everybody, of course, you know, our attorneys thought, you must be crazy. They're, they're beer-swilling college students. Surely they can, won't be available and won't take phone calls. They're actually some of the best-performing agents that we have in the world. Uh, and so my point is that people do behave responsibly. That was one of those places where we had to align, sort of cross every T and dot every I to make sure that uh, Apple as an organization was protected as well as was really clearly articulating, you know, what the scope of responsibility is. But once you get over that, the opportunity from a cost savings perspective, and I was explaining the other day that we have this analogy I kind of threw out there, little catchphrase, it's, it's the equivalent of buy three, get one free. Um, and what I mean by that is for every three home-based agents, we hire in some other, you know, basically area of the country. When we look at performance and we look at wages and we look at all these other things, every third, every fourth one is essentially free when you account for everything from increased utilization to, you know, decreased absenteeism, decreased attrition, uh, decreased ongoing uh, training requirements, increased availability. You know, we've increased our agent-to-manager ratios, no facility costs. And, then, you know, and then there's the, you know, what's the value of one point of CSAT, right? I think that, uh, you know, I think that, you know, you can have a conversation all day long, and I think that everybody struggles to understand exactly what that is. But, um, you know, it's extremely important, and it's incredibly valuable. Okay. Well, uh, just in line with your college students there, there's a question from Jeff. Part of the question is, what age group do you see is best suited for at-home employment? Is there an um, age group? or are they I'm, all sorry, say, I'm sorry. Say that again, Bruce. Okay, the, the question is, what age group, if there is one age group, do you see as best suited for uh, at-home employment? I would actually say, I would, I would address that question in the reverse. I would say that your access to diversity is infinitely better in a home-based agent network because you allow for a level of freedom and flexibility that you just didn't get in a call center. I don't think all our call centers, I mean, I think if you look across industry data suggests most of your call center in-house agents, you know, let's say someplace between 26 and 29 years old, roughly two to three years of experience, et cetera, right? You have an incredible opportunity to get access not only to um, a more junior population like college students, but I also think to a, you know, more senior population who, you know, maybe have left the workforce and don't want to work, you know, 40 hours a week or 70 hours a week or do anything like that. But this opportunity to give those folks access to 
to an opportunity to work for a company like Apple or some other company. So I, I would look at it and say the reverse is true. Rather than move, you know running in the conventional space, you get access to a diverse population that, in my mind, is really just unprecedented. And our data is absolutely showing that from 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 everything from gender and age and every everything where we just haven't seen those levels of diversity in the past. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Actually, we're coming to the bottom of the hour. I'll just have one other quick question here, and it has to do with what a lot of people are concerned about, which is the dogs barking and the babies crying type of thing. The ambient stuff, which I think uh, has not come up, but a lot of people have on their mind. How do you handle that? How do you just sort of handle it to begin with? And then if it pops mm-hmm. up, even though it's not supposed to, what do you do? We have about a minute for for the answer to that. Right. The first thing that we do is we go out and we um, – the first thing we do is we go out and we ask them very clearly, do you have a quiet place to work? Right. That's the first question. The second thing you have to do is you ace your agents more than you might normally would uh, or you might normally do, and you also put it on the onus on your managers. You're going to hear very quickly. It actually, we thought for sure that was going to be a monumental issue. It has turned out to be zero concern to us. We really don't have that as an issue with our agents. Okay, great. Well, listen, Steve, this has been fascinating. I want to thank you very much for uh, for attending this and for, for contributing so much. And two weeks in a row, boy, you've, uh, you deserve a medal for this one. And I'm serious. I think there's some really good research that uh, we could do and that, that you could be the center of. So um, thanks, everybody, for being on the show. I'd like to uh, thank you in particular the, the callers and the uh, people who sent in questions by email. And with that, I'll, I'll hand it over to Sean. And, Sean, a big pat on the back. The technology all worked great this time. <laughs> it did. It did. And thanks for uh, thanks to both our hosts. It was a, a great show, uh, really good content. Uh, so thanks for your time today as well. Uh, I want to announce our winner of the industry report. Uh, Patty Barr, you are the winner of our industry report. Uh, thanks again to everyone for bringing their questions. Um, uh, because we had a, a show uh, issue and this show this week, Our next show is on September 16th. Um, The topic that everyone voted on is um, tips on how to motivate and manage your supervisor and agents. Our uh, co-host with Bruce will be Roseanne DeCilio. And uh, we look forward to seeing you a week from today. Um, Thanks again for your time. And uh, please email us any questions or comments uh, that you have for the host, and I'll make sure that they get them and uh, try and get them back to you in uh, reasonable time. Uh, Thanks again, everyone, and have a great day. This concludes Call Talk.